Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good day, and we're back. This is William Eastman for Degree Market Consulting, and this is Article 2 in our series for Green Industry Pros Magazine on cutting-edge businesses. Uh, last article, we talked about the three distributions of businesses that, if you look at all the small businesses, you can put them into three groups. There's the 5% who are the elite. They dominate their markets. They're doing incredibly well, and they've got a great long-term future. Then there's the 15% that are doing reasonably well, uh, they're paying the bills, there's some money left over, but there's some uncertainty about where the future lies for them. And then there's the 80%. Some of them are zombie companies that are dead and don't know it. Others are struggling to get by. But basically, they're trying to figure out how to get to the 15 and the 15% are trying to get to the 5 Well, we're going to pick that up today. And on today's article that we have uh, posted on Green Industry Pros, we're going to be talking about how the 5% became the 5%. Okay. Um, now, what's interesting is an interesting aside is how we got into this particular piece of research. We've been working with a number of local communities on economic development and bringing in fast growth companies. And so we started doing some research on what constitutes a fast growth company from their perspective, which is job creation. And what we find is that what we found, which fit our research, was that the 5% um, their high-impact firms were the same as our 5% firms and that uh, about 90% of all the jobs created in the American economy are created by these small companies that are quick on their feet, they're starting fast, and they're growing. And so what is interesting is that your local community, um, how much will they do in tax abatements, grants, financing, all the deals to, to cut, change zoning, in order to attract one of these companies, and yet will do nothing for the potential 5% that are currently in their community. So to all the business owners out there, until that right uh, wrong gets righted, let's focus in on what you can do. Let's put our energy, rather than talking about how government perhaps is failing us there, and focus on how do I take my company to 5% no matter where it is. So the focus here is going to be real simple. There are four characteristics that we found in these companies that enabled them to go from wherever they were, whether they were 80s or 15s, into the elite 5%, okay? Four things. Leadership's focus on resources was one. Leadership's focus on strategies was two. Leadership focus on clients was three. And leadership focus on marketing and sales was four. And those four, those four areas of emphasis, emphasis is what made the difference, okay? So let's take the leadership focus on resources, okay? Um, their focus was not so much on sales as it was on business development, okay? And their goal was to achieve 100% of the client's spend on any comparable products and services, all right? And what does that all mean? That means that if the customer is spending $5,000 a year in landscaping, you have every penny of that 5000 unless they're buying something 
for example, you don't do turf, and they need some uh, they need some uh, turf work. Let's say with uh, with uh, herbicides to keep the weeds out. But everything that you do, you should have all of their business. Number two is that they looked at marketing spend, and that they said that marketing spend should be someplace between 10 and 15 percent of revenue per year. Now I know that's an incredibly high number because some of you out there are struggling with one percent or two percent on marketing. Uh, trust me when I tell you is that the money you spend on marketing, if it's done correctly, will reduce your cost of sales uh, by a considerable margin. But right now, the thing to consider is the minimum threshold is 5%. How do you spend 5% of your revenue on marketing that works? And then the third one was really interesting in that instead of developing new products or services, these companies went into greater specialization. What that means is that they would take an offer like landscape maintenance and they wouldn't just have one size fit, fits all, you know, kind of like a Coke, you know, and everybody drinks it. They looked at each one of their cu customers and said, how can we create something a little different from customer to customer to take advantage of what their needs are? Take advantage of the fact that everybody's property is a little bit different. The, the terminology we use in business is micro-segmentation. So if you want to turn it into a big word, there it is. But the bottom line is, instead of offering landscape services or design build or turf um, or even snow, even though we're about out of that season, and having one-size-fits-all, I customize that to fit each one of my accounts, which also allows me not only to get all of their money, get 100% of their market spend on that, but also allows me to now upsell uh, later on, okay? Number two was the leadership focus on uh, strategies, okay? And so one of the things that they really did is they focused on what the customer's experience was with the company um, in that a lot of times when we look at the company, we look with insider's eyes, and so it's an in, inside-out view. Well, what would happen if you were to map the process of how the customer experiences the company from the first time, let's say, they see a Facebook ad or they receive an email, or there's a flyer put on their windshield, and every moment on until the deal has been sold, you've delivered the landscaping or you've delivered the service that you sold them, and now you've got them as kind of a long-term customer. What are all those touch points? Because what you'll find if you do that is, I would bet you half of them, my experience is half of those, aren't owned by anybody. The customer's experiencing it, and when you say, okay, how do we manage that particular particular touch point or moment of truth, uh, what you find is nobody in your organization owns that. And so what I want to do is I want to focus on all of those touch points and make sure that they're incorporated in our process. Uh, another one on strategies is that, that their branding was successful in making them stand alone and unique. And what we talked about in branding is branding is three-dimensional. You've got, uh, you've got the company brand, which is kind of the umbrella, and that needs to make an emotional connection with the customer. Then you have whatever the products or services, since we're talking landscape, it's almost all services. So what are your service lines? You know, you do design build, uh, you do landscape maintenance, you do turf, uh, maybe you have an arborist function, uh, you do snow. Each one of those distinct service lines uh, has its own branding and must make a a, um, a rational connection with the customer. In other words, if I want my uh, if if I want a guarantee from you that uh, in the winter uh, everything is black, meaning the the the, the parking lots are always clean, um, uh, then how do I 
how do I state that in a way that's really clear to you and create a brand that says that's what we do, our, our guarantee that is black in the winter, green in the summer, as an example. Okay. The next thing they did here on strategies is, is they were thinking about what new products and services they could develop um, to, in, uh, to grow their business. They didn't build it on spec. They didn't get together and say, hey, let's do this and see if somebody will buy it. What they did with it is that they, with their existing accounts, they found customers that were willing to engage in the process. And so instead of building something on spec and then trying to figure out how you're going to sell it, what they did is they built it for an existing customer. And typically the way this works is that you don't collect your margin on that. You build it at cost. So you get a chance to test it and develop it with them. They get a good deal. They get something customized to them. And they're paying uh, less than rack rate right now for it. But then once you've done that and you've sold it and you've had a chance to correct it because whatever you do new the first time is not quite right, then what you, you're able to do is now generalize that and take it to all your other customers. And typically it has a much better margin. And then the last thing is on these strategies is that they really try to gain leverage from the reach of their customers and suppliers. In other words, instead of looking at the standalone and go it alone on marketing, how do I use my customers to market for me? How do I use my suppliers? And if you want to talk about how to make a few marketing dollars go a long way, is rethinking how you're going to market and instead of trying to do it yourself, uh, look at some of these marketing partnerships. So those are the things that come under leadership focus on strategies. And of course, you're reading along right now because you know, you've got the uh, Green Industry Pro Magazine article in front of you. Um, the third one was leadership's focus on clients, okay? And that what this really was on was that they engage in a great deal of market research into why their best customers, their best accounts, were their best accounts. Now, this has a higher payoff if you're doing it for the commercial market versus the residential. But the idea behind this is the more that I understand how my customers are making buying decisions and how outside influences, the economy, regulation, doesn't matter, how those outside influences are affecting the buying decision, the better off I'm going to be here in terms of winning all of their business and then keeping it. And in fact, one study I was looking at that companies that invested in this uh, were able to see a 31% increase in their growth rate as a company. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of growth. And, and again, this is growth from existing accounts. This is not growth from bringing in new accounts. And that because of that growth in those accounts, they had a 20% increase in profits. Now, I don't know, I don't know what else to tell you. These are clients that you have, you would isolate your very best clients, the most profitable, understand how they make buying decisions, and then that research will increase the growth within that account by almost a third and will give you around a 20% increase in profitability over what you're currently making. I mean, what a great deal. This is out of the 5% of the 5%. Now let's talk about the, the focus on marketing and sales, okay? And um, this is more of a laundry list of do's and don'ts. Uh, so, for example, instead of looking at formal distributorships as a way of moving through, they looked at partnering. All right, that was one approach. Uh, instead of conferences and trade shows, and I'm not saying they didn't go because there are some for which you must show up at. Uh, if you're not there, then it's you don't exist. 
but really what they did is they went online and used websites and social media as, in, uh, as their major vehicle for doing this. The conferences and trade shows are pretty much falling off, and anybody who has attended, uh, like I've done the last two MGIXs in, um, in, in Columbus, Ohio, and I can tell you what a drop-off from year to year, uh, and, the, and the energy enthusiasm seems to be down. Uh, the third one was that instead of networking, they really worked off of referrals. Uh, I don't know if any of you have joined uh, ref uh, networking groups. I've, uh, in the greater Richmond area of Virginia, where I live, I've been a member of the four major groups, and I can tell you right now, after about six months, it's a waste of time because they're just whatever business you were going to get, you're, you, you have received. And so instead of that is how do I use my existing base and get referrals and use referrals rather than networking with people I don't know. Um, another one is using outside experts instead of cold calling. Uh, so for example, have you thought about uh, going with a company that runs a call center and you pay them to set up interviews or meetings uh, as opposed to your people in your group? I think you'll find that price-wise, they're pretty competitive. And that's what these companies did. They went out and hired outside experts in marketing and sales to create the face-to-face -face contacts because what this all comes down to is how do I create more and more face-to-face -face contacts, even using websites and social media. And then finally, um, what they did is they engaged in sales training not only for the sales force, which seems to make a lot of sense, but they also did it for non-sales staff. In other words, everybody, everybody in the organization was considered a salesperson and they trained them in the sales skills. So it, nobody was going around uh, saying about sales, gee, it's not my business or it's not my job. So those are the four. Those are the four things that those companies did, uh, a focus on resources, a focus on strategy, a focus on clients, and a focus on marketing and sales. The last thing I'll say about this is that one of the things that was overriding in all these is that they really stopped selling in a traditional sense, is that they saw their job is to educate uh, customers to be better consumers of services. In this particular case, it would be landscape services. And what happens when you do that is the fly-by-night companies, the companies that really will promise the, the moon and the sun and the stars but can't deliver, it helps the customer weed those people out so that they're really only talking to the companies that are going to deliver on their promises. Okay. Now, let me conclude with this. As we did this research, and this research now is as I'm looking at the dates here on the, on the article, it's almost 15 years old, and we spent a lot of time doing this. And this was something separate from what we've been working on. We actually had identified in our research on fast growth companies um, that there were 34 best practices uh, that led to the 80% becoming the 34%. And so we didn't use too many of them in here. I was dealing with more of the general characteristics but I can tell you what is that if you're interested in those 34 best practices, I would heartily recommend you get a hold of us because I'll share that list with you. And so there's really far more to, to building a business and joining the lead 5%, but it's beyond what we can do in a 500-word article or in a 20-minute podcast. So if you'd, like to, if you'd like more information, check out the podcast on there, and um, that'll have some more information, which is, uh, what you're listening to right now. And there's also a click where you can set up a conversation with uh, one of the Green, Greenmark uh, uh, Group's team members, our ex-subject matter experts, 
so that you can get some insights on what you need to do. And who knows, you may be able to talk them out of the 34 best practices. We typically charge for it. But if you say you're calling from Green Industry Pros in terms of you're a member and you're reading the magazine, uh, we might be able to make something nice happen for you. So with that, have a great um, have a great month, I would say, and looking forward to uh, reaching out to you in the next uh, article. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.